welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're glad that you can join us today. We are, as always, brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org. We hope that you will check out the thousands of progressive Christian resources that we have available there. I'm Caleb, and I'm here today with my good buddy, Mark. How are you doing today, Mark? I am doing great, Caleb. I'm excited about today's show. I know I always am, but I really, I, I, this is going to be interesting, I think. It's going to be really interesting. Because today we're talking about Avatar, and yes, we were indeed. chatting before this show, and we uh, mm -hmm. recognized that both of us went to go see Avatar in 2009 on opening weekend and haven't yep. seen it since, and yep. we watched Until, it again. Yes, yes. Right, just Should, now. I, I can't wait to get into some of that, man. I can't wait to get into some of that. Me neither, but before we do, we need to let you know yes. that if for some reason... You haven't uh, you haven't seen Avatar in these thirteen years that you've had to see it. Uh, right. There will be some spoilers, so mm -hmm. know that. Uh, we also hope that you'll follow us on social media. So, Mark, I'm excited today to hear what you're drinking. What have you got today? Uh, I have made something that I'm calling a Navi Citrus Punch. Okay, uh, it's citrus vodka, and then a white grape and peach juice. And then in blue, I always mess up the name Caraco uh, in there. Squeeze of lime juice. And then to give it the, the evanescence, the, the, the sort of bioluminescence of the Navi, I put a little pearl dust in there on top of it. And it came out this lovely uh, sort of uh, Navi-colored uh, uh, punch. So uh, how about you? What are you having? I, I, I love it. So I went, I went with uh, blue, too. And so nice. uh, one ounce of... Uh, blue curacao and we did get the curacao thank you I always blow that. and we got the proper pronunciation in the comments so thank you thank you for thank helping you. us appreciate and that a couple, very much a couple ounces of vodka and you fill it up to the top with uh lacroix just plain lacroix and so this Lovely. is the avatar they got orange here they've got the orange paint and all so absolutely I love it. nice nice color combination cheers to you sir cheers mark hmm yeah, I could drink a few good? of those. Yeah, how yeah. about yours? Yeah, it is good. Maybe we should drink a few. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna try. Why not? This. Why don't yeah. Why don't we do that? And, and, and in the meantime, do a show as well after the break. All right. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Today, we have already told you we're going to be talking about Avatar, which is the number one box office film of all time. It was briefly mm -hmm. beaten by one of the adventure movies, but with this re-release, it's already gained back its number one spot. Uh, and, and for those who maybe don't remember the movie, uh, it being the number one box office, it almost seems like everybody's seen it. A kind of, oh, this is a tough one to give us a quick synopsis of, but... I'm going to do my best. So when the brother of paraplegic Marine vet Jake Sully is killed, Sully takes his place uh, on a mission to the lush alien planet of Pandora. And he quickly learns that the corporate bigwig, Parker Selfridge, uh, who runs this sort of military-style base and research center on the planet, intends to drive off or even kill, if necessary, the native humanoids called the Navi in order to mine for an incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable, uh, piece of ore. 
the thing is, uh, it, it's directly under the tree, this massive tree that mm-hmm. the Navi live in. And ultimately, there's a problem with the planet's air because it's poisonous to people. So in order to interact with the native people, humans have to kind of link their minds to these human Navi hybrids called, of course, avatars. And quickly, you know, Jake finds himself torn with loyalties between the militaristic corporation, the research team, and the Navi. And ultimately, they all end up in a battle for the very survival of the Navi and Pandora. Uh, and I left out tons of parts of the storyline. That's a that's good summary. Kind, that's kind of what we're looking at here. So I am very curious. You and I both had gone over, I mean, over a decade without seeing it at right. all. Uh, and we both have just watched it this past weekend. What was your, uh, when? what do you remember your initial act, reaction being when you watched it the first time? And was it similar or, or dissimilar from your experience this time around? Yeah, so I thought about that a lot because uh, I, I was remembering that, you know, whenever this came out in 2009, there was all this, uh, all this promotion about the visuals. And so I kind of felt like I had to go see it when it came out because there's this, mm. uh, this fantasy movie with, with incredible visuals and I wanted to see. And this was the movie that kind of started this, you know, the 3D movie craze. I feel like mm-hmm. we got a lot of that and that wore thin pretty quickly. But this was yeah. the movie that kind of, um, that, that really kind of started it. And so I remember my initial reaction to this movie being, Wow, that's really cool. It's got impressive visuals, but it's kind of slow and a, a little boring. Uh, that was that was my uh, impression. This was 2009. All right. So I was I was dreading it a little bit because I thought <laughs> uh, I remember that it's a very long movie. Um, yes, and so, indeed. And so this time I did not go to the theater in part because. I wanted to see if the visuals held up without the 3D. And one mm-hmm. of the things that was really cool sitting there watching it was I remembered seeing those visuals in 3D 13 wow. years ago when I went. And wow. so I thought, this, this, I think, is pretty good proof that, uh, that it is visually stunning and, the, and that the yeah. visuals hold up, even when you're watching it in, in 2D, you know, that uh, you can yeah. still... You, you, you can still see the uh, the visual effects kind of advancements. So I, I think that I noticed some some things that were maybe mm-hmm. some problematic with uh, with yeah. the storyline that I'm sure <laughs> we're going to get into. But those yeah. those were kind of my initial reactions. How about you, Mark? Where'd you land? Yeah, um, I, I remember being very excited about this because it was Cameron and James Cameron, and he was known already for being a great filmmaker and There was already word getting out that this is going to change the way movies are done and all kinds of things. And ultimately, looking back, I guess it did. That was, like you said, early 3D in terms of good 3D. And frankly, I don't know why at the time my eyes would never adjust to 3D glasses. Hmm. It was like it felt like a nightmare watching that show to me because my eyes kept fighting the 3d effect. Yeah. Like I'm trying to just relax and enjoy, but my eyes are like, no, we're not doing yeah. this. And so I was getting these weird blurred things. I'm with you. I thought the story back then, I felt like it was, it just, it was slow. I didn't feel engaged in the story. I kind of lost interest, frankly. And much like you this time around, I, I don't know that I was real excited about watching this. It's a big event and we're going to, I'm sure, do 
uh, Avatar 2, essentially, um, coming up in December, I think. So it was good for us to cover this and think about it. Uh, And I did. I wanted to go back to the theater and give it a real shot. So I went to one of the biggest screens in town. And I have to say, it it surprised me, man. Hmm. Uh, I ended up really, except for one major, and I mean major issue, um, yeah. I really ended up loving this movie yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, I, I think this, there is so much, you know, it's interesting. It gets, it has historically um, been criticized for being so, somewhat derivative and having a fairly uh, un, a, a simplistic storyline. And I just don't see that. I mean, I think this is an incredibly complex movie in terms of the things that it's trying to address and the problems in the world, which I know we'll get to in the next segment. And and it does it in such a storytelling clean way. Uh, um, It can get very preacher at at times, but there's so many things that it's doing that doesn't telegraph that you have to kind of sit with and think about to, to realize what's going on. I mean, what your experience the second time more or less. Yeah, yeah, I think so, because uh, the pacing hit me very differently this time, too, because like I said, originally, I'm like, oh, this kind of slow. But this time I was sitting there and I'm like, no, we need this pacing to really get to feel uh, sympathy for yeah. for these for these indigenous mm. peoples here we need to really understand because that's what we're doing here is we're learning about this this unique culture and and what's going on here and so if we were to just say oh yeah there there are people who are connected with the land and we're going to take their land and uh we're gonna mm-hmm. you know kill them if we have to that that's pretty simplistic and it uh, you know it doesn't yeah. really give us any kind of sympathy or empathy towards uh these folks and i think feeling the empathy uh, for them makes a big difference. But but you also said, Mark, you said there's one uh, one big glaring error, and I think we can just name it, and it's that yeah. there's a white savior. Uh, there's right. a white savior complex yeah. for the movie, that, right? And that's that something that, that I didn't catch the first go-round. Maybe it's because, like, uh, you know, culturally, we weren't talking about it in the same way. Maybe it's because I was a yep. first-year seminarian when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But this time, it was glaring to me. Oh, I'm like, it, oh, yeah. it's kind of, it's not just kind of problematic. It's problematic. Yeah, for all the good this this movie attempts to do, and it really does attempt to do a lot of good, it really yeah. suffers because of this great white suburb complex that it that it throws in. Uh, and, and if there is, and so I thought about this for a while, if there's any silver lining, if there's any mm-hmm. little tiny redeeming edge, it's that at least in the end, in order for uh, the, our, our main, one of our main characters solely, in order to be happy, to be whole, he mm-hmm. basically has to renounce everything that his male whiteness represents. And so if there is any like kind of redeeming edge, it's that, but it does not. And and I mean, edge like infinitesimal, tiny little edge, because it is so such a glaring issue that, that everybody ultimately gets saved by this one white dude. Um, Mm -hmm. Come on. Oh, (laughs) the movie could be so great if it weren't for that horrific piece of crappy, derivative storytelling. Ah, oh, man, I hated it. 
I did too. And I especially hated that, uh, that we saw kind of nature choosing the white man. Right. It yeah, wasn't even right. just that he yeah, that was, was heroic and and yeah. and rose to the occasion. But it was also, you know, like the sacred tree of life chose this man. And, and that's why his life is spared and he's lifted up. And then yep. how he, he becomes the, the Taruk, uh, the dragon rider. Mm-hmm. And he uh, goes around even after he's wronged all these people, even after he knows they're going to get destroyed and says nothing over the course yep. of three months, they automatically mm. forgive him and lift him up as their leader. <laughs> for, and somehow or another, that's all forgiven, and all yep. the tribes of Pandora unite around him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's it's, not it's way believable. Too. It's 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 hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, to and and it subtracts from so much of the rest of the movie. I, I was going to ask yeah. you this question and I, I hopefully we'll be able to bring it back into to, to right. how that issue subtracts from so many other great moments of the movie. So I, I, I love uh, this line uh, where uh, he gets lost in the woods in his avatar and Natiri yeah. uh, um, uh, finds yeah. him and saves him from these animals that are attacking him at night. And he goes to thank her for saving him by killing animals, which when she did, she, yeah. she ignored him really. And right. uh, took the animal out of its, its misery and said a prayer. Right. And she says, don't think this is sad, very sad yeah. only. Um, right. And I thought that was powerful. And, and there was such a chance to, to, for the movie to have gone in a different direction from that and, and, and celebrate yeah. her yeah. and where she goes from and everything. But it also made me think, um, this is a question I never ask you about a movie. How many times did you yeah. get teary-eyed in this movie? <laughs> um, you know, a couple, and that was that me was too. one of the and that was one of the moments. And it reminded me of uh, of what we were talking about last week. Actually, uh, I think it was in our after after the show. I don't think we ever got mm-hmm. to it. Last week we were talking about prey, and we were talking about the sacred buffalo getting yes. killed, and the main character. And it was the white who, people. Yeah, and it was the white people. But in that show, it was the woman who was the hero, who was yes. the indigenous woman who ultimately right. ended up being the hero, so, right, over and so against such a the white people. stark contrast, right? Such a stark contrast, because here we've got this woman who has the potential, right, who probably, if yeah. the movie were done today, hopefully, maybe we'll see an Avatar 2, like she yeah. could have could have been and should have Easily. been the hero here to, yeah. to teach us this lesson about how wrong it was that these that these animals had to be killed. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, so I got teary-eyed uh, a few times, and especially, yeah. I, I think the other, the other time is whenever we see, like, the, I think the first time we see the bulldozers coming mm. in, in the mm. kind of that sacred forest, where they go and pray, oh, yeah. you know, they're the, yep. the, the tree branches that come down and they go to pray. Where the, tr- and so the you, tree of souls. You, right. Right. And the, and the forest before that, where they're, where they're all, right. where they're all in there. And so we've, we've gotten to spend time, right. Seeing how it's sacred, seeing how they connect with the ancestors mm-hmm. there we've seen. And that's why I'm saying the pacing I think is right because you get to yeah. experience it. And then it's mm-hmm. all the more stark when a bulldozer comes in and just takes them down with no regard for life yeah. there. And so I think that teaches us a good lesson uh, like about deforestation today, right? We don't oh, often course. give the time to it's, think about yeah. uh, about the sacredness of trees, right? Yeah. And, and plants and stuff. Maybe we're not praying to ancestors right. through and, them or and, whatever. And, and, but yeah, that tough. leads into that actually leads yeah. into one of the moments that I got all teary eyed. 
Um, mm. Because throughout this, one of the things that, that is in the storyline that they kind of subtly are doing, almost as a background story, is how all of these trees are connected. And that there is yeah. this connectedness within every tree on this planet. And there's this you know giant um, um, life of, of all of these trees. Yeah. And visually, I had this incredible moment. And this is where I go back to, there's so many things that could be great, but because it's white savior complex, it's just ruined so many things. It's like, uh, <laughs> Why? so one, the moment that he goes through the ceremony to join the Navi and he's in the center and they slowly start forming a, uh, rings uh -huh. around him mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they put their hands forward, almost like a laying of hands that some, uh, different denominations yeah. might do. And yeah, there's yeah. these rings that have all these connective pieces you're seeing it from overhead. And, uh -huh. Uh, it's just as glorious. Like I, I breathe deep and, and my eyes got a little teary of the connectedness and, and that that's what being part of the community is, is this moment where we all stand together in oneness and the connectedness to the trees and how they are connected underneath. And it's so beautiful and wonderful, except for the fact that at the center of the ring is the stupid white Savior. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's just not a, I, I, they ruined so much with that little piece. It's just, and, and, and I can't believe that 2009 was so long ago that the only way you can make a great movie is to have white men always be the most important, the, the, the people who save everything um, and get forgiven for atrocities just simply because they're white men and oopsie, I'm sorry, I'll do better. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing that changed our perspective on this, uh, and I know we're about to end this segment, but uh, was that this was, you know, within the, the first year that Obama was president. And so, mm. like, culturally, we were at a very different place then, too. I, yeah. I'm thinking about why the white savior thing didn't hit me in the same way uh, the first go round. You know, after these... Uh, after the the four years of Donald Trump, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I think we we have to be so much more keenly aware of all of that. And uh, you're right. I, I I had the too the 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 same moment of, of power, the laying on of hands that that mm -hmm. struck me as churchy and religious because it's something that I've seen so many times or participated in. And yeah, how problematic it is, even even maybe in in that context that we're lifting up a single person. You know, it's yeah. often the pastor, right? Who uh, right. who we then expect to be kind of the designated Christian of, of a church. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's true. Uh, I've never heard it that put that way, but that is so uh, true. <laughs> you're going to be the Christian on behalf of all of us. And, you know, you you need to be perfect. The rest of us will do whatever uh, we want. You, you're yeah. going to be perfect. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, it'd be easy to go on and on just about yeah. the storytelling and the levels of storytelling that they try to do in here and how it's mm -hmm. just because of one really terrible piece of, of, of the storytelling. Uh, it steps on what could be so many beautiful moments. And, and, and yeah. I guess we can still try to extract lessons from it, but in order to do it, we have to kind of bracket out that, uh, that white savior in the midst of all of it, which feels exactly like what the movie does. He's, he does everything wrong and he hurts so many people, but they like bracket him out and make it okay anyway and let him save them on top of it. So, uh, but I'm sure there's more to talk about in our next segment there as is. we talk more theologically and politically about this. So y'all hang with us and we'll see you on the other side of the drop. <laughs> Oh,
and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're moving into our theology and political segment. And uh, we uh, started kind of diving into some of the politics of this movie. So I in the last se segment, so I think I'll pivot mm. a little bit and talk maybe about some cool. of the theology in here. Lovely. Uh, because there's a lot of that as well. And so we were just talking, Mark, about about the roots and the interconnectedness. And one thing also that hit me this go round that I simply did not know the last time I saw this was that there's been scientific evidence to show that trees communicate with one another via their roots in the ground. And so there really is kind of a connection on earth, not, you don't have to go to Pandora. That's right. Right here yes, on earth, we can see trees uh, really connected with each other and uh, communicating with each other. And so I really liked this idea in in the movie that uh there is a source of energy that runs through all things and mm. so um we hear that there's a network of energy that flows through all living things and that your energy is just borrowed and then and then it's returned and so that really meshes pretty well with my theology you know mark i've been pretty yeah. influenced by by Taoism and, sure. and the thought of, uh, you know, the Tao, the way, uh, this, this source of energy and life going through the universe. And if you're attuned to it, you can, you can kind of pick up on it and you can kind of go, go with the flow and, uh, and you can be led in, in that direction if you're paying attention. And so this, uh, this movie kind of felt a little Taoist to me, hmm. the, the of, of energy and the interconnectedness of life. And uh, I like that about this movie. Yeah. Uh, did anything about the energy uh, resonate with you or did you pick up on other theological themes that had to do with kind of this, this nature oriented world? Well, you know, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the interesting things for me that kept, I don't, I don't know why it just kept coming to me during this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the Navi, we, we, we get set up very hard at the beginning of the movie of how humans are looking down on the Navi. And Navi yeah. represent, in the movie, they represent the indigenous uh, peoples of, of North America. They represent uh, the indigenous African uh, folks. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they intentionally blend those pretty well together. Okay. And they show a largely white group of militaristic corporations looking down their noses at them. And I kept thinking about first world, set, a third world. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then as I watched the what in this movie would be the third world, um, understanding their connectedness to life, understanding their connectedness to each other, to creation in general. We don't get much more theological than understanding our create our connectedness within creation. Mm -hmm. And oh, I began to go, you know, we definitely have labeled this wrong because mm -hmm. we're not first world. All the things that really matter in life, particularly from a, a spiritual point of view, they seem to have a lot better than we do they definitely mm. understand it and you can see it running throughout and all of that connectedness and i immediately then thought what seemed like almost a throwaway line made me go oh my gosh they they were they were he knew what he was doing from the beginning when when sully's brother tommy dies yeah. they say um it's a shame uh you know he was basically cured, killed for the paper in his pocket right this movie is nothing but this setup to show that first world where all we care about is profit and paper and are willing to kill mm -hmm. over it mm -hmm. no matter what uh, yeah. stands over and against third world countries 
that shouldn't be labeled as third world because it immediately makes you think of less as less than who actually yeah. understand the important spirituality pieces of life and what makes life matter, what makes life good. Mm. I mean, we don't see a lot of happy uh, militaristic corporate folks in this movie, but no, but they're all about, and it's, so it's this one beautiful little simple line right at the beginning mm. where Cameron basically says, Hey guys, here's what I'm about to do. It's a shame. Mm -hmm. He got killed just for the paper in his pocket. And ultimately, they're willing to kill an entire, entire civilization for the paper that what is underground beneath them could bring them. Um, I, I yeah. think it's an incredibly spiritual commentary on our current reality. I mean, it, I think that's I think that's right. And there's, uh, you know, we also see that through Jake himself, right? His brother is killed. Mm. And then we find out that he can't use his legs, even though he's a vet. He lost them while while serving in the Marines. And he says that there is a cure for this. They can fix spines, but you got to have oh, yeah. them. And you can't do it with vet benefits, not with this economy. And right. so it's a commentary, right, on when oh, yeah. we're driven by militarism and when we're driven mm -hmm. by pro by profit primarily, that even yep. the, the people who are being used as tools in that militarism and that profit, that, that we mm -hmm. can't take care of it. And right, so this is clearly a commentary on the United yeah. and, States. And let's I, don't miss the fact that the yeah. movie set in 2154. You want to talk about right. fatalistic, fatalistic imagining of the future is that by 2154, we still don't have this, this healthcare issue figured out where, you know, it's profit matters a lot more than being able to, to give someone a, a piece of, of healthcare that's readily available, but you just can't right. afford it. So sorry. Just can't afford it. Yeah. And so we also find out that the earth has been destroyed more or less because mm -hmm. uh, they said the earth used to be green, but, but now it's, it's brown because we, we mined it for all of its resources and we didn't care for it. So yeah, certainly a fatalistic view of the future, but not an unrealistic view of where right. we've been headed, right? Because yeah. we've, we've seen, uh, you know, profit over well-being time, time after time after time. And we've seen this with the climate crisis as well, that, uh, you know, it's, uh, we have the resources to uh, invest in alternative fuels and uh, alternative energy sources. But instead of doing that, we've given in to pressure from, you know, fossil fuel industries. And so e even though we have the possibility to confront this, that we've been s much slower to do this than we really need to be uh, because of profit, right? Just because, uh, yeah. because of money. And so yeah. I think that this is one of the, one of the tools that, that Christianity really gives us is that, you know, um, I think that uh, there's a lot of things in the biblical narrative that are not very clear, you know, that mm. are up to interpretation and all of that. There's a lot of mm -hmm. theology that we don't know and we can debate about. Sure. I think one thing that's not really up for debate is the biblical opinion on excessive wealth. I think that right. if you read no, through the Bible right. from, from the prophets to Jesus, that we yeah. see a pretty clear view on not letting people have too much that too much wealth or too little wealth are are both destructive to life that that oh, finding absolutely. somewhere in the middle is is the place where where human beings thrive where everyone has enough but nobody has too much and honestly i think that's one of the reasons that i've stayed in the church uh, all these years is mm -hmm. that 
you know, is that at least for all the failings that Christianity has, and it has a lot, that that at least we get a pretty clear view on how we're to approach economic justice. And that's yeah. that we're we're supposed to demand kind of a more a fair, more equal distribution of wealth. Yeah, and, and 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 I think one of the things that this movie should at least begin to make us think about in, in within that framework is that the current path we are on really makes it difficult to do that because we value a a uh, more than what what is real, more than people and relationships and creation, which are very real. We are valuing a made-up measurement of value, I guess. Yeah. Um, like we're putting the dollar, which is just doesn't really represent anything real other than a measurement of 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 of, of exchange that it's not necessary. We're yeah. valuing it over everything else, and so we, this movie very clearly shows that there is a way to have a fully functioning um uh, uh, society that is not economy based that is based mm. on the lifting up of all uh, the celebrating of all and the respecting of of life in general and that's one of the things i i, I yeah. you know i loved about this was they 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 frequently uh the, the navi would say to each other i see you and then the response mm. back is, I see, yeah, you. I see you. And it reminded yeah. me, I, 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 I preach on this from time to time, the Zulu greeting of Sawaba, uh, Sawabona, which is, I see you. But it's mm. it's a deeper, I see you. It's, it recognizes yeah. the worth and the dignity of each mm. person. Like mm. It's not just, I mm. see your your person. I see right. your value. I yeah. see your mm. dignity. Mm. And, and I feel like we have this, this stark showing of how the folks that are pursuing the, the 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 society based on the economy don't see the value of any life. They're willing to destroy yeah. it. And then the folks yeah. who who really do understand that have the better life and 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 are, are more successful at at being spiritually satisfied and um, having a thriving community rather than a warring community. That's a great point. And, you know, I know there's dangers in romanticizing, you know, well, like uh, mm -hmm. oppressed people and people who have uh, who have little. And uh, and I don't think we're to, and I don't think we're doing that. I, but I, I do think that we're we are saying that, yeah, that there's something about being in touch with nature and being in touch with the need for community that is deeply grounding in a way that those yeah. of us who are concerned purely with materialistic things often miss. And so I think in terms of like seeing each other, one of the things that really stuck out to me this time was uh, the constant use of dehumanizing slurs mm. towards uh, the, the indigenous folks on Pandora, right? So we get them called uh, blue monkeys. We get yep. them called uh, roaches and uh, a variety of other things where it is, you know, uh, where it is language is being used as a tool so that we don't yeah. have to think about the kind of loss that, that these people will be experiencing. We don't have to think about yeah. the kind of loss uh, of life that we're going to be inflicting, trying to get this, what, un unobtainium, uh, unobtainium, unobtainium, right? Right? Uh, unobtainium, yeah, that, uh, right, trying to get Which is probably the thing. worst, the the worst word they made up for the whole show. They got so many, the Navi, Pandora, Home Tree, Sky People, Iwa, uh, 
But unobtainium, unobtainium, really? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That one, every time they said it, I was like, oh, come on. You could have done better than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, so Sorry. I was uh, so I was kind of struck by that too. I'm like, maybe they're trying to make a commentary mm. on like on wealth and you know the the happiness that comes from wealth. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're maybe it's unobtainable, but yeah, it was bad. Yeah. No, I think you're just right. It I was a it was little bad. it was a little too on the nose. Is I guess is my <laughs> it's problem. A little it was, too, it was a, little a little on the nose. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, mean, I do think you're right though. Yeah, it just happened to be. Yeah. I do think you're right, though. I think that yeah. part of the reason that it's they use that name was to kind of just hint at, you know, this is something that's not what you think this is going to bring you in life is never going to bring it to you in life. You're just going to always look yeah. for the next thing, whatever it is, it's bigger and more value valuable by your measurement. Whereas you're going to kill off a lot of people who could teach you so much about what good life is like and where real value is and how you can actually be successful. Uh, without all of these weird measurements that really uh, amount to nothing and cause you to be a much worse person uh, in, in your attempt to, to pursue it. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a great place to transition to our, our next segment, Mark. We've got, mm. there's a lot of theological and political stuff in here we could delve into. So but much. here's the thing. We've got to try and make each other look stupid. And that's exactly what we're going to do in the next segment. We're going to come up with questions to try and make our co-hosts look stupid. Do it after the break. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are glad that you have stuck with us to this final segment. Uh, probably quietly our favorite segment because we get to, to, to either lob softballs or throw darts at our co-host with a question designed, hopefully, possibly, to stump them. Uh, from time to time, I like to be the benevolent host of this segment, and this is one of those times, Caleb. So instead of oh. uh, lobbing at you first... I'm going to hand the court over to you and, oh, uh, and, and and ask you to please attempt to make me look stupid, sir. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. How benevolent <laughs> of you today. I appreciate from time that. To t- from time to time. Don't expect it too much. Don't expect it too much. <laughs> I know. I know. I, yeah. I, I was trying to learn from the movie that we watched and try to be you know, more giving it's, it's and always, more... Yeah. 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 Always nice when we can embrace the values of the show that we're talking about. So here's yeah. here's another thing. Okay, so unobtainium maybe yes. was was kind of poorly named. <laughs> A little on the nose, right? Another. One I like. I like. Was... I, I, saying unobtainium just made me think of a comment that I was reading from Ellen Green, who uh, yeah. it's not exactly un- unobtainium, but uh, she's a longtime linguist, and she mentions to your last point in the last segment, how much she hates when language is misused as a weapon, which is one of the things you were pointing out of how the language. So anyway, unobtainium isn't quite a weapon, but it's really a, a clumsy use of language, which as an English major really bothers me. But you go right ahead with your question. <laughs> okay, so this is another language question, Mark. Okay. Uh, I, so it's, and maybe another point that was a little on the nose. So yeah. I'm guessing 
Pandora was probably not the indigenous name of the planet, uh, but wow. perhaps the the name that uh, the the white settlers gave gave to the planet. Uh, why do you think it was named Pandora, Mark? And how does that relate to uh, to the Pandoran myth? What do you think? Uh, well, I definitely think it's related to Pandora's box for sure. I mean, they get there and they think they're doing one thing and they open up um, the box, so to speak, and everything changes. They can't, it, they can't contain what is really there for them. They come with one expectation and uh, because, frankly, because of their ill intent, all kinds of ills come towards them. I mean, I don't know that there are many of the humans i mean we see a, a line of them surviving and leaving but there are the death is incredible that happens to them so i, I mean i think it has to be related to that although there are certainly arguments we made for other things but for me it, it was humanity opening up pandora's box by trying to force their needs and and, and desires on a native peoples uh, and the native peoples uh, and not understanding them not understanding yeah. them um, I think you always know there's going to be trouble in a movie when really early on people don't listen to the scientists. <laughs> like, like immediately, if there's a scientist saying, hey, so there's this connective tissue that's making all these trees talk together and they can kind of communicate and it's really kind of cool. And then they don't listen to them. Oh, that's going to come back and bite you in the butt really hard, really fast. That's just the way these movies work. Uh, and, and I think a part of that was going on is like you're forcing all of what you want and your desires and you're not even bothering to understand folks. And it ultimately becomes this nightmare for you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on why it's called Pandora? Yeah, I think that's another like if you've got a significant thing in any movie that's named Pandora, you know right. that it's the box is going to be opened and uh, <laughs> right. that you're not going to be able to stuff it all back in. So I also, um, so I, I, I think you're right about that. I, I also think that um, at another level, it can be applied to the things that we, that, um, that maybe Jake was learning uh, whenever mm. he opened Pandora's box uh, and, and, and went mm. into this culture and he's flooded with this, uh, this culture that yeah. that kind of uh, that kind of overwhelms and overtakes him in a way that once he has experienced that, there's no going back to who he mm. used to be. And so there's that key moment yeah. where he's doing his video log and he says, "I don't even know uh, who I am anymore. Things have flipped." And that yeah. is a reality. And this is the dream. And so I think whenever he experiences this, he, he, he experiences all this flooding of, of nature and mm -hmm. connection in a way that he finds kind of this, this deeper meaning. And I, I think there's truth to be said about mm. that for, for all of us as, as we experience this kind of deeper, more grounding kinds of realities. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. That's great, man. I completely agree. That's a very large part of it. Very large part of it. Well, well played. Okay. Well played. You got one for All me. Right. You got one for me. All right. Here, here's my question for you. Uh, okay. I, it's, I think, about six words. Okay. Will profit based economies destroy creation? Yes. Humanity. Humanity and the world will profit yeah. profit based economies because I mean that is if there is a very clear message in the yeah. movie this is it 
Yeah, I right. So I think if we don't do something to to turn things around, not only will it, but it already is and has right. to some degree, right? Like scientists, why if the scientists are are sounding their horns now, right? Mark, you're talking about yeah. scientists giving a very clear warning at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. This is our beginning of the movie with the scientists yes. blaring their horns saying, hey, climate change is irreversible at this point. There is nothing that we can do to, to you know, go back and fix the problems <laughs> that we've all, already created. All we can mm -hmm. do is stop and try not to make it any worse. This is the alarm sounding. And so I think, uh, you know, that if we are just focused on profit, and we are, right? The, I mean, there's right. no other reason not to be investing in alternative uh, yeah. alternative yeah. energy sources. We have the technology. We're just not doing it because there are too many powerful people with want, who want money, who have powerful lobby and uh, powerful interests in uh, in Congress and in other legislative bodies around the world. That 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 they have those those powers for profit, and it is literally, not figuratively, it is mm -hmm. literally destroying this world. So yeah, I absolutely think that economies that are solely driven by profit. Mm -hmm. uh, are destroying the world right now. Not only will they, but they are. How about you? What do you think, Mark? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that the course that we are on is not sustainable. And I think 19, uh, 20, uh, 13 years ago, Cameron was trying to tell, James Cameron was trying to tell us this because he, he was, he, he had, he wrote this. And frankly, even before that, because his concept for this movie actually started, I think, in 96 or 97 90s, yeah. when he started writing it. He had a 90 page write up about it. Yeah. All the way back then, the the technology just wasn't where it needed to be to do this. So he's been thinking about right. this and talking about it for almost uh, two decades, really. And um, it, it was meant to be a warning to us. And, and, and it just shows you the power of money and how the how money can uh, corrupt and, and how, um, the love of money is one of the roots of evil. Um, because there's plenty of information to know mm. that our, uh, uh, profit based economies are not only destroying the creation, as you mentioned, but destroying peoples, mm. destroying mm. entire groups of peoples. Yeah. And the fact that we're not willing to pay attention to that, well, it's again, Pay attention to destroying things that are real for the sake of something that really isn't real. It's a man-made yeah. creation of a measurement yeah. of value. Mm. I, I, I am I'm very worried. And honestly, it's one of the brilliant things about this movie. I wasn't a fan when we first watched it. I am a fan yeah. of it now, outside yeah. of the white savior crap. Um, yeah. I'm a fan because it does very clearly tell us that... Our, our modern advancement that we're so proud of has actually been in the wrong direction. And that mm. what we really need to be doing is backing up and turning to native and indigenous peoples who have long histories of understanding how life has meaning that is based on real things and, and how that can create. Again, there's plenty of wars, there's plenty of battles between native groups but the, the satisfaction of life is so much better. I mean, we know this, uh, most of us, when we're not pursuing the almighty dollar, when we're in a position where we don't have to worry about money, we're much happier people. Yeah, um, right. 
this movie for me is telling us we need to reevaluate everything that we're doing in terms of our value uh, that we put on profit-based economies and uh, back up and learn from folks that we have allowed profit to destroy. I like it, Mark. Uh, that sounds right to me. And uh, I'm with you. I think I wound up enjoying Avatar much more this time around. And so I'm glad we, yeah. we went back and watched it. I was glad to have the chance to revisit it. And I'm excited maybe to talk about Avatar 2 in December. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, with the with all of the uh, uh, um, years that have gone in between uh, and the advancements in storytelling and the public's willingness to let us tell stories that are healthier in terms of not needing a white savior, I, I'm hopeful. I am very hopeful. But what we really need to talk about is next week and what we're going to cover week, in the show. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, you and I both are massive Star Wars fans. We are. We feel the force is with us. Mark, it, the force is with us. Yeah. yeah, I am with the force and the force is with me. I am with the force and the force is with me. That That's from uh, Rogue One, for those who don't know, a prequel to the Star Wars, uh, trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy. Mm -hmm. And I bring that up because what we're going to look at next week is a prequel to Rogue One, which was a prequel to the Star Wars trilogy. So we're going to be looking at a prequel to a prequel uh, that's called Andor. There's already uh, three episodes out. There'll be a fourth one before our show. And uh, just to give uh, the online description, it says, in an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue, Cassian will embark on a path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. I mean, come bum, on. Bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, <laughs> that's a great setup, man. It's, it's, uh, and it honestly, I've watched, I've watched the first three episodes. It is incredibly well done. Maybe the best Star Wars serial out there. I mean, it's only three what? shows, so it's hard to say, huh? but it's de Ooh. it definitely has the potential. So this should be a lot of fun. And we will uh, be talking about it the next time on The Moonshine Jesus Show. Woo! Moonshine Jesus.